the Goat of Popularity Podcast. What's up, Coppin? And welcome back to the Cult of Popularity Podcast. The only cult that doesn't experiment with putting antennas in bats' heads. Damn straight we don't, because that'd be weird. That is some weird Pick up all sorts of signals on that thing. All sorts. Even SPS. Maybe. Maybe. You get SPS with a coat hanger, mate. You get SPS with an antenna in a bat head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Bit of a uh, different one this episode. It is indeed. We'll be focusing focusing in, even, on the great man, Robin Williams. What a great man he was, too. Multiple great roles over TV, film, and stand-up. He was a giant in all three of those areas as well, so it's it's pretty crazy. He's had a very good tenure. Yeah, definitely. Where do you want to kick off? The beginning? Like how his parents met? Not that far back. No, not that far back. All right. His career. We'll his go with his career. career. Yeah, we'll his start career. off the beginning of his career. Which was... So he really started off as a stand-up comic more than anything, which is how a lot of people you know, break into the entertainment industry from a comedic standpoint. That's right. Um, so doing around San, San Francisco Bay Area, um, which was kind of where he grew up and where he ended up living most of his life. He loved San Francisco. Yeah, he was actually born in Chicago, but they moved there when he was young. I think, yeah, it's probably worth noting as well, just taking a step back from where he first started in actually entertaining, but where he got his training as a, you know, as an actor and an entertainer as well actually attended the you know very prestigious Juilliard the college do you call it school for the arts yeah I believe so uh, Juilliard uh, where he um, was whoa, accepted or was part of I guess a advanced program yes yes yeah they're the words I'm looking they're the for, words thank you. for. yeah and uh, there's only one other person accepted that year into the advanced program and so he's one of 20 students accepted in the freshman class. And he and Christopher Reeve were the only two accepted by John Hausman into the advanced program at the school that year. Yeah, nice one. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that is where he ended up meeting who became his lifelong friend, Christopher Reeve. Yeah. They are actually noted as being more like brothers than friends. Yeah, they were very close. Um, so close in, indeed that uh, Christopher Reeve was the godfather for Robin Williams' first, first son. Yeah, he certainly was. And I think, you know... It really speaks to Williams as a person when, you know, I'm sure most people are familiar, Christopher Reeves had that horrible horse riding accident Mm -hmm. and ended up a quadriplegic. And Robin Williams actually, when he went and saw him in the hospital, actually made him laugh. And um, I think you actually were the one that brought it up that there was a direct quote from Christopher Reeves that said when he realised he could laugh, again, he realised he was going to be able to still enjoy his life. That's it, yeah. That it he said that if he could still laugh, he was still going to be able to to enjoy life. Obviously, you know, after such a horrific accident and obviously a massive impediment upon one's life, he was pretty... Pretty down. Pretty down. Would have been very depressed, I would imagine. And Robin came visit him, managed to make him laugh still. Yeah, and I think to a lesser extent, a lot of people can probably identify with that. Like, when you're going through a pretty shitty time in your life, obviously not to that degree, mm. but, you know, if you've got, you know, one or two good friends that can come and get a laugh out of you, even though you don't really feel like seeing people at all, it changes your whole perspective on everything. You think, you know, everything's going to be okay if I can still 
see the light in so in you know, in life. Exactly. And I think Williams was that kind of person that would bring the best out in people like that. It's hard not to, even watching his you know, watching his movie, watching movies, watching his TV shows and stand up specials and everything like that. He was dynamic in the way that he just you know he could move and sing and dance and change the accents and everything sort of just he was a ball of energy he was indeed and it's interesting because obviously with not only did were reeve and williams in the same class they're also roommates as well throughout college yeah which is where they became such good friends and williams coming from a more oh, i don't like you saying but a poorer background whereas uh reeves had come through through like you know the ivy leagues had a was a little bit more well-off than Williams going into it, so they would support each other throughout that and actually made a pact with each other that after leaving school, whichever one made it first, um, they promised to then help the other one out. As it turns out, it so happens that they both basically came to hit this or kick-start their careers in full swing with, you know, Reeves doing Superman, um, Williams starting Mork and Mindy around the same time, so they never, neither of them ever actually had to do anything in regards to that pact. Yeah, it's definitely um, you know a great tribute to their their friendship and you know as um, you know as the, the friends that they were. She noted that Williams reminisced that during time that first sort of year together, he said you know the Reeves was such a great friend to me at Juilliard, literally feeding me because I don't think I literally had any money for food or my student loan hadn't come in yet, and he would share his food with me. So even that you know show that at the beginnings of a great friendship between them. I see, not at the beginnings, like when Williams was uh, doing The World According to Garth um, in 1982, apparently Reeves would fly in, in his own plane, pick up Williams on Friday evenings, take him away for the weekend, they'll go and do whatever it was that they wanted, and then bring him back the end of the weekend yeah it's pretty awesome I, I read that when i was doing some research as well and it uh it was also noted that williams would usually come back a little worse for wear by the end of it <laughs> as well so they'd obviously had a yeah had a good time they had a, had a big one while they were away i'm just trying to find there was a description that um so reeve said the first impression he had of williams was he wore tie-dye shirts with tracksuit bottoms and talked a mile a minute he said i'd never seen so much energy contained in one person he was like an untied balloon that had been inflated and immediately released. I watched in awe as he virtually caroomed off the walls of the classroom and hallways. To say he was on would be a major understatement. Yeah, nice. That's exactly what he said. But you get that. I think you get that from a lot of his characters as well. You know, in in our previous episode where we discussed Good Morning Vietnam, even when he you know he comes in and he sits down at the desk and he's all sort of bleary eyed and like oh, half asleep and then, he's just and then as soon as the switch the switch literally flicks and the time hits when he's meant to be on he is on and he's rolling and that i think that sort of sums him up as a person as well that he could just flick it's that switch. actually that that's interesting to say that um i was looking into it when he did um one hour photo yeah so obviously that was a more serious role for him yeah yeah and I watched an interview with the director in regards to it and apparently as soon as the scenes weren't being filmed or there was cut, apparently Williams was, he was straight into that persona going around. I know, you say acting the fool, I guess, you know, making people laugh and entertaining as soon as the cameras weren't rolling. He, he was an entertainer first. 
Yeah, and I actually saw in an interview with Adrian Cron, the real Adrian Cronow, um, he said that when Williams was on set, he was just like that, on all the time, very energetic. He said he almost felt like, he said, I'm no psychologist, but he felt like he had all these, that Williams had all these insecurities and things like that he was keeping from people, and that was a wall to keep people out. He said the only time you'd ever see the real Robin was when he was playing with his kids because he mm. knew he could let them in. Which in the same time... It's sad that he felt like that. Yeah, definitely very, very sad. Um, but yeah, he, you know, I guess he's a, you know, his real big break came when he started doing um, Mork and Mindy. Definitely. Did you, that was actually very interesting. So I didn't realise... Do you know how Mork and Mindy came about? Yeah. So Mork first got introduced in an episode of Happy Days. Yeah. Yeah. I've... The, Blew me out. Like, I knew he was in Happy Days, and I thought, obviously, they did some sort of weird crossover thing where more came into Happy Days, but I didn't realise that he was, like, he to... I think he did, like, two or maybe even three appearances on Happy Day, uh, Happy Days, and that ended up trading its own show. Yeah, and... Out of that, which, yeah, I was, I was surprised. And a real, I mean, huge success of a show when you think about it. Mm. Like, even now, if you go, if you go up to someone... I'd say probably over the age of 30 and you say Ninu Ninu, they know what you're talking about. That's it. Most people. Most. Some people grew up in cults. <laughs> That's true. Then you get to see it. Then you get to see it. Um, all right. Another thing I found really interesting about Robin Williams, though, which I didn't actually know, was his interests outside of entertainment. So the way he liked to wind down and things he was really into actually yeah like he was writing to, to pen and paper pl- uh, role-playing games which immediately made me think of D. it's the big one it is the big one there's probably other ones out there but made me think of that straight away um and video games he actually named his daughter zelda um after the title character from the legend of zelda and no it's not the person in the green tunic no that's link that's link but a lot of people make that mistake yeah you can't blame them it's it's like legend of zelda check out this dude in a green dress that you play as the whole time yeah. <laughs> it's um, an understandable mistake oh, it, it's a forgivable but mistake you show that you haven't played the game 100% um, he's also a big fan of anime and collecting figures as well uh, so he collected the figure of the fictional character do you want to have a run of that one you know anime better than I do the Junan Knut yeah from the anime film Appleseed uh, he's also a big fan of the film Innocence Ghost in the Shell. I know that one. Yeah, I've never heard it being called Innocence Ghost in the Shell. No, I've never or, heard that either, but I've, or I've heard of, definitely yeah, heard of no, Ghost, God, about Ghost, Ghost in the, the Shell. Shell. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, other things he did, so he ended up becoming uh, really good friends with uh, Billy Crystal and Whoopi Goldberg as well. Yeah. Um, and they together um, founded the Comic Relief USA, which is an annual event held on HBO, which is a massive um, re- relief benefit um, dedicated to... Uh, raising money for the homeless mm-hmm. um, and it's that it itself has actually raised 80 million dollars uh, this is going as of 2014 so, so higher than that it would now. be higher than that now um, Whoopi Goldberg actually came to his uh, defense as well when he was originally doing stand-up comedy because there were comedians that were claiming that he stole bits off of them or was using their jokes and things like that and it's been sort of said that you know he would 
you know, obviously when he when he gets going and he starts sort of riffing off of things and just coming up with things off the, out of his mind, obviously if you've heard someone say something, it'll pop into your mind and you may say it. Mm. Uh, and she actually defended him and she's like, you know, we all borrow things from each other and, you know, change them and whatever. So, like, get over it sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I don't think... He doesn't seem like the kind of person that would maliciously joke steal. No. No, I don't think he would have been. I mean, we never knew the guy, but... No. But, I just when the more you look into him, it doesn't seem like something that he would have done. He seems like a pretty genuine, kind-hearted guy. It was interesting. I do highly recommend uh, watching the doco called Robin Williams Come Inside My Mind. It's like a two-hour-long doco um, with interviews about people that knew him, his first wife. Um, it was it was really interesting because they had um, well, interviews with Billy Crystal as well, um, Eric Idle, who I didn't realise he was also really good friends with, one of the Pythons. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. Like Billy Crystal mentioned when he first met him, you know, it was he was starting to really start to come into his fame, and a lot of people around him at the time were kind of with him because, you know, he was becoming the next big thing no hanger hanger on us yeah um whereas he he actually was more genuinely interested in in this man that was robin williams and wanted to know him better so they actually ended up becoming really good friends um it was yeah crazy i think he even gives um examples of uh actually i think he plays like robin williams would just call him and leave voice messages on his phone he doing like impersonations and different voices and things like that that's awesome yeah um and then obviously with Whoopi Goldberg, as I said, um, helped found Comic Relief USA, um, which they did amazing things with. Um, and obviously also struggled a bit uh, back in the 70s and the 80s with, uh, as they did back then, the the drugs and the alcohol. Um, Especially in the stand-up scene. Like, yeah. Apparently it was pretty rife throughout that. Obviously if you go on from city to city and you're, you know, transport back then probably wasn't as great as it is now like flights weren't as frequent and things mm. like that so they would have been definitely uh having a few nose beers to keep them going <laughs> and I, I thought potentially you would have been over this one but he was actually with john belushi the night that he overdosed yeah which is um would have been it would have been a hard time for him i reckon because it's a it would have been you'd only been with him like at his apartment earlier um and then obviously he was questioned it's part of it yeah fully complied was very open about the whole thing it's still hard and i think from what i remember of the doco said that he did have a bit of a hard time dealing with that because you know he had literally been there hours before oh it'd be be a hard thing like especially because you know they would have they would have been obviously they would have been friends and they would have had you know things in common Mm. with each other um especially you know going through all the comedy route and everything like that um to be with someone, you know, just before that sort of thing happens is pretty... It would be pretty tough. It'd be a hard thing to get over. Yes, and that, along with uh, the birth of his first son, was what actually prompted him to give up drugs and alcohol. Yeah. So, which is which is good, because, you know, obviously other people reacted the other way. And went off the deep end. And went off the deep end, and unfortunately saw the same things come of themselves, so... Yeah. There's actually some really, really good tributes that came through after his untimely passing the tributes that came through were just there's some really really touching ones like barack obama of all people actually released a statement upon williams's death and i'll read it as word for word so robin williams was an airman a doctor a genie a nanny 
a president, a professor, a bangarang, Peter Pan. Hells yeah, he was. And everything in between. But he was one of a kind. He arrived in our lives as an alien, but he ended up touching everything, ended up touching every element of the human spirit. He made us laugh. He made us cry. He gave us immeasurable talent, gave us his immeasurable talent freely and generously to those who needed it most. Uh, from our troops stationed abroad to marginalised on our own streets, the Obama family offers our condolences to to the Robin to Robin's family, his family, his friends, and everyone who found their voice and their verse thanks to Robin Williams, which was you know pretty touching. Um, another really good one that came through was or the, was um, Judd Apatow, who's made some great comedy films um he's one said you know you can't look at any modern comic and say that's the descendant of robin williams because it's not possible to be a robin williams ripoff he raised the bar for what's possible for what he's po- what it's possible to do and made an enormous amount of us want to be comedians mm. and that's you know <clears throat> that's the sad thing like you know his life ended pretty abruptly i mean i remember hearing about it on the news and being like whoa holy yeah, shit yeah wow exactly and it's it's sad especially again watch the interview with like especially when um, they're talking to Billy Crystal and Eric Idle because even though they didn't realise it at the time they received messages from him and they now realise that the way that he said them it was actually him saying goodbye yeah which is pretty rough like Billy Crystal way he signed off on a phone call to him he's like now that i think back on it that was him saying goodbye to me and the same with eric idle um because he was actually meant to um appear on one of a stage show that idle was he was meant to be like one of their guest stars for one of these scenes where they were having a different guest star appear for it in the end he said that he couldn't make it as he was suffering from severe severe depression at the time which, which he was um and when when it was released on video, it was then dedicated to Robin Williams as well. Yeah, which is you know really sweet. It um, is, and yeah, like I mean, I, I know I've, I found I found that what, that was my friendship that I didn't realise that he had as well. Eric Idle, I've always been a, a really really big fan of of the Pythons, and yeah, it's sad because Idle said I don't really go to San Francisco anymore. The only reason I used to go there was to visit Robin and his family. Yeah. So yeah. No, definitely very sad. I think one of my favourite um, tributes that actually came out, though, was Will Smith's tribute that he put out when the most the live-action Aladdin was set to be released. Mm. He posted a bit of fan art that had a picture of him drawn as the cartoon genie, as like a Disney-style genie, next to, or back-to-back with William's version of the genie. The genie. And he just simply said in in a post, it said, um, I know genies don't have feet, but you left some big shoes to fill. R.I.P. Robin. And that's, you know, short and sweet, but Mm. to the point, makes makes a lot of sense. I think it should be pointed out there as well that unfortunately at the end there, he was starting to suffer from Parkinson's as well as body Louis dementia, which were obviously affecting him when he knew it. Yeah, it's a... um a bad combination, mm. to say the least. Um, but on a more upbeat note, I guess, um, let's go through you know his filmography and discuss some great films. Let's do it. I think 
I just want to say one more thing. There was something that I read about him which I found quite amazing in the fact that in an interview, Eric Idle was asked that he writes very movingly about Robin Williams and his death and if there was anything that, we could, that he could tell people that many people may not know about him. To which he replied, he was a very kind man and he would always go out of his way with kindness. He would buy people houses when they were destitute. He was always generous, always mindful of where he came from and was always amazed that there was all this money and he could spend it on friends. But to ordinary people, he was also very kind and generous. Nobody was too much trouble for him to stop and make laugh and touch with his wit. He was a really good soul, a lovely soul. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's a you know really heartwarming sort of tribute or take on on the man that he was. Yes, because I mean a lot of rumours circulated as well that he um, paid for a lot of Reeves' medical bills and things like that, which he denied. Yeah. Apart from in one case where he he did say he did buy a van for him. Yeah. And his family, so he could move around, um, but it was never found out whether or not he actually did pay for him or not. Well, he definitely paid for the van, but whether he paid for the other expenses, the other expenses, it's yeah, he he always denied it. Uh, but I think that just goes to show that yeah, he was a very humble man. Yeah, didn't forget where he came from, mm. and that's important. But. Moving on. Moving on. Let's look at it, let's look at the career that was the career that was the you know the great man's career. Um, all right. So his first leading role was as Popeye in the movie Popeye. Um, I haven't seen that. I've seen bits and pieces of it. It looks like it hasn't aged well. Yeah, I don't believe it did. I remember when I first found out about it, I blew out. This was years ago. I found out there was a live action version of Popeye and that Robin Williams played him because as a child I, I had like VHS tapes of the Popeye Cartoons. cartoon which I used to yeah. love watching and so I was like well I mean it's probably like being older I was like it's not something I'd really go back and watch now but I would be interested to see Robin Williams playing it and he's got like this big prosthetic forearms on he's got the pipe hanging out he's got one eye closed and do they have a bald head I don't believe so no he's got the like this, this you know the sailor cap going on right but yeah, it was, it was, I don't think it was a very big budget film. No, um, from what I've seen of it, it doesn't really seem like it was. Next big film that I'm, that I'm aware of after that is the one that we covered in our last episode, which was Good Morning Vietnam. That's right. I think, I think, well, I think the one that put him on after that was The World According to Garp after Popeye, because, I mean, if you were to look at Popeye and then go to Good Morning Vietnam, you'd probably be questioning it, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that is the next, the one that really sort of helped put him on the map as well. Like, it will get him up in the, uh, within striking distance of making it big, I guess. Mm, but yeah, definitely it was then Good Morning Vietnam, which... Kickstarted his movie career. Oh, definitely. Which, again, referring back to the interview, uh, I really recommend watching it. If you're interested in Robin Williams, like, it's you, it's a must-watch. Um, but apparently at the time, he was a TV actor... So that it was like a real thing, like there were TV actors, then there were movie actors, and like the two worlds did not inter- intertwine. Not like nowadays. Not yeah, not like nowadays where you just switch and change, and if you're an actor, you're an actor. Do Netflix uh, specials, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the fact that he went from TV to doing movies was a big thing, and and he did well. He good. Yeah, nice. Next big one after that, well, next one that I'm I know them pretty well after that was Dead Poets Society. Yeah, for sure. Um. I think I've only seen it like once or twice, but 
I mean, that, that scene at the end is one of the more iconic scenes in film, and it's also a huge part of pop culture, where the students all stand up on their, their desks and they say, oh, Captain, my Captain. Which, Classic. Yeah. I haven't seen the film, there but I know what you're talking about. But, you know, it's exactly. It's, yeah. that, it's that much of a part of pop culture that, it, that you don't even have to have seen it to know that part. Because it's been referencing other things and and whatnot. Um, now you watched Cadillac Man, is that right? <laughs> I did actually watch Cadillac Man. Um, interesting film. I liked it. It was it was good. It had um, also had uh, Tim Robbins in it as well. Our dear friend from Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was cool because not only did it have like an internal monologue going on of Robin Williams' character um, Joey. But it also had... Um, he also broke the fourth wall as well. Okay. Um, so he spoke directly to camera. He spoke directly to the camera to see what was going on, but we also, got a not, we also got an internal monologue as well at the same time for certain scenes. And it was it was different. Like, it took complete, like, right turn at one point. Like, I was like, what is this going? And then I was like, oh, here we are. When um, Tim Robbins' character comes in and spoilers comes in and um, thinks that the receptionist at the car yard he works for had been sleeping with one of the other car salesmen which she had um and yeah comes in with a gun and like holds them all up hostage and then uh robin williams character goes through and starts to basically negotiate with him talking down as all the police and swat rock up and everything else at the same time robin's trying to manage with the fact that his ex-wife and the two or three other women that he had that he was having affairs with at the same time were all turning up because they knew where he worked and knew that he was in there. And, yeah, it was interesting. I'll have to give you that one a watch because I, I saw it, but I, did, I haven't actually... I saw like it advertised, but I haven't actually watched it. Then 1991, what an absolute banger of a film right at the end of 90, 1991, mate. Right, I was like, I don't believe he was in any films called 1991. No. Possibly my... First, second, I don't know if it's my first, second favourite, like, Robin Williams film. Yeah. Hook. Mate, that film is, I don't even know how you you describe it. It's just amazing. Like it's, it's Peter Pan growing up. It's what would happen if Peter Pan grew, grew up. up. Which is good, because I, I was a big fan of um, Disney's Peter Pan as yeah. a child. It was a, I loved that film. Um, I watched it when I got older, and I don't know why. Peter Pan was a complete dick. Seriously, if you haven't, if you haven't yeah, watched it since you were a kid, dick. go back and watch it. He's a dick. I think, no, it was just great. I mean, you know, you got Rufio, bang a rang. Yeah. And, oh, it's just great, you know. Like, him going back, he doesn't, like, the fact that he forgot everything. He doesn't remember being on Neverland and being there with the kids because, you know, uh, what was it, Wendy's granddaughter? Great-granddaughter. Granddaughter, I think. Yeah, granddaughter. He comes back to visit Wendy, meets granddaughter, and... Falls in love and stays and grows old. Yeah. And, oh, and Dustin Hoffman is Hook as well. Fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I think Williams actually said he learned a lot from Hoffman from his portrayal as Hook, how you could, you know, with just some subtle sort of makeup and things like that, how to actually completely become a new character yourself. Mm. So I think um, Hoffman's very well known for being a method actor, so yeah. take, taking on the role of the character... Out, not just in the scenes, but outside of it as well. That would have been interesting. Yeah, definitely very out there sort of choice for Hook for Captain Hook. But it was the perfect oh, he did great. choice. Yeah, it, it was, was fantastic. So good. And um, 
Yeah, I think it's like Glenn. It's a sad Clark. film as well at the end. I think. Uh, let me look. Also, there's a little hidden cameo in Hook. I'm just trying to think of who it is. I mean, it's a pretty star-studded film as it is, but got. So it's actually got a cameo from Glenn Close in it. Ah, I see. Yeah, and she. Now you got me onto something here. I found more than just that. So she plays Gutless, which is like actually one of the pirates. I'm pretty sure. So she's like in full prosthetics, like with a beard and everything. You got Gwyneth Paltrow as teenage Wendy Darling. Julia Roberts is obviously mm-hmm. Tinkerbell. Um, Phil Collins is Inspector Good. What about this? George Lucas and Carrie Fisher playing the kissing couple sprinkled with pixie dust. Yeah. Did a little uh, Star Wars nod. Here we go. And and screenwriter Jim Hart's 11-year-old son, Jake, uh, appeared in it, um, who actually inspired the film by asking the question, what if Peter Pan grew up and plays one of the Lost Boys? So There you go. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Jim Hart's son. Jim Hart Jr. We don't know what his name is. It was Jack. Oh, damn. Sorry. Um, and then 1992 saw a bit more of a transition into some animated films. Yeah, a bit of voice acting. A bit of voice. Which really, when you look back on it, was a no-brainer for him. The man was a... He was a man of many voices. Yeah, I think one of his teachers actually from... I don't know if it was from Juilliard or if it was from his high school. Actually, it was, no, it was from Juilliard. She was like a, a voice coach or whatever. Yeah. And she said she'd never seen someone be able to change between voices and accents so seamlessly and quickly as Williams. Yeah, right. You made it look effortless whenever he he do, you do do it, especially when you see him doing it live rather than just hearing him do it. Um, and to one of those films that he did it in, he, he, he does a lot of it. Um, playing the... Eccentric bat, Batty Coda in Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, which another film that I absolutely... Whenever I went down to stay at my grandmother's, we'll go to the video store and you can pretty much guarantee that I'll get that movie out and Inspector Gadget cartoon series. That were your go-tos at the video shop. 100% whenever I went down there. There you go. And I mean, that was, you know, his first sort of step into the animated realm i guess we'll say um more you know i'd have to say probably more notably in same in the same year he was the voice of the genie in aladdin Mm -hmm. which really showed off again his ability to change and do different voices because he impersonates like so many different people as the genie um like ed sullivan jack nicholson senio hall heaps of different voices he does you really went went to start going on a real children's films, but definitely uh, films aimed at a younger generation. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Then he was in Toys as well, which he didn't do the voice of. That was actually a live action film. Have you ever seen that? I don't believe I have. No. Whoa! I just looked at the picture. That's creepy as fuck, man. It's pretty creepy, but it's awesome. He looks like a deranged Willy Wonka. Pretty much. Uh, um. So from that, he moved into... I don't think Toys was an overly huge hit. Like I don't think it was that commercially well-received. But his next film was... But his next film was an absolute smash. Which I recently just re-watched, because I hadn't watched it probably since I was a kid. Mrs. Doubtfire. Which is just Classic. Excellent. Yeah, it really is. 
Oh, I, I probably haven't seen it since I was a kid, really. But it was a crazy concept, this dad going out and... Like, if it didn't have a comedy overtone, it would 100% be a psychological thriller. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's a pretty fucked plan, if you think about it. It is. Uh, it, it's, it's funny, yeah. Depending on the spin that you put on it, it's very... It's a weird thing to do. Yeah. So, spoilers for those of you that haven't seen it. Um, basically, he's a dad who goes from job to job. He's the you know the fun parent while the mum has to be um, the bad guy, I guess, and be the one that does all the disciplining and everything like that. She gets fed up with it. Played by the great Sally Field, I should say, who does a disapproving look better than anyone, I reckon. <laughs> Like, I was feeling disappointed in myself just the way she was looking at him. And, um, yeah, so they end up separating and he loses custody and is only allowed to see the kids once a week and then finds out that she's looking to find a nanny slash housekeeper and decides to... First of all, he pranks her with, like, a million different calls, just, like, different voices doing, you know, saying stuff like you'll beat the children if you need if need be and stuff like that. <laughs> and then um and then eventually calls up as Mrs. Doubtfire um uh, and does a classic Kaiser Soze moment where he sees on the um newspaper police doubtfire was an accident or something like that. Uh, and yeah, then yeah. uses Doubtfire as his name. And then gets full prosthetics done by his brother who's like it must be like a you know, makeup artist, but I think he's also a drag queen as well. Convenient. And yeah. <laughs> and makes him makes him look old, gets him all dulled up. And then he goes and becomes the nanny and lives or doesn't live with them, but shows up and looks after the kids. Mm. Which is it, um I guess more small, it's just I haven't watched them. The kids figure it out, don't they, before the mum does. The older ones do. The yeah. youngest, um, Natty, who the actress that plays her actually also played Matilda. Right. Um, she doesn't know until right at the end. But the kids figure it out because the son walks in on him using the bathroom <laughs> and he's standing, standing. up, <laughs> um, which causes a bit of a freak out. And at first the son's like, I don't want to hug you while you're all dressed up like an old lady, which is, it's fair. It's like, fair. It's weird. It's, it's, it's weird, it's Dad. Weird. <laughs> um, like, you know... You do you, but it's confronting. Um, and then, yeah, eventually he gets, in the end, gets joint, not joint custody, but gets put up, like his his ex-wife, they don't reconcile. But she basically says, you know, you can come pick the kids up when I need them looked after the same times that Mrs. Doubtfire used to look after them and you can look after them. So he gets what he wanted in the end, essentially. He does. And he doesn't get sued. And doesn't doesn't go to jail. That's it. Because... Which- was a possible outcome, let's face it. Realistically, if you did that in, in the real world, you'd go to jail. It's 100% straight to jail. You definitely wouldn't be seeing your kids anymore. No, you'd never see them again. Um, so that was, you know, that was a great film. Um, he was also in Nine Months. Um, and then one of my favourite films as a kid, Jumanji. Jumanji was good. Jumanji was a great film. There's actually a reference to him in, in one of the newer... Jumanji's that have been remade, the Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, where it's written on a wall, Alan Parrish was here, a reference to his character from the original Jumanji film. Yeah. And then the one of the people in the movie actually comments and says, this house was built by Alan Parrish. I just live in it. 
which I think was the director's way of saying, you know, this movie and everything about it will always belong to Robin, but we're just expanding on it or we're... we're well, that's, I think it was a nod to say the fact that this these movies are intended to be sequels of, of that as well. Yeah. So if it is all interconnected. However, it's different. I mean, so what the new Jumanji films are different, whereas that was, you know, them playing the game and the game affecting the real world. It's their characters in the game, isn't it? In the yeah, new films. in the So, you know, it's interesting. Another great one I remember from my childhood was actually Jack. Did you ever see that? I vaguely remember Jack. That was the one where he had the um, disorder where he, he was aging much faster than he was meant to. Is that right? Yeah. And so he goes through and by the time they... Spoilers! From what I remember of it, um, by the time they him and his friends get to the end of high school, he's, he's an aged old man. Yeah. Or even maybe primary school elementary school maybe it was which i think i think, is a little in, bit too advanced. I think in primary school he's like he's like a middle-aged sort of man in that yeah. area and then just keeps getting older um it's like a reverse benjamin button sort of situation mm. unlike that, benjamin button i'm pretty sure that is actually a real disorder that people can get though where they age too quickly yeah but i think it's a bit of an underrated one you don't hear a lot of people no, I think you know you know a scene from that movie that I do remember distinctly though, where they're all sitting up in the clubhouse and they got like the and they're fighting the, in the jar, they're fighting in the. In the I, I don't know if it's right, but I remember it looks like a, a oh a coffee can or a Milo can is what I remember that doing it, and he does, and they're just like fuck. Yeah, I remember that. that that's actually the one thing I really remember from it as well. <laughs> uh, it says a lot about us. Um, it does, doesn't it? I sort of don't want to. Oh, I don't know keep jumping from one to one but i mean there's so much so many to get through and so many great films 1997 uh two great films that i'm aware that you know that were really big was flubber uh flubber was big i i don't remember tell me remember what it was about i remember it was big i remember how much there was i remember going seeing it at the cinema i can't remember potentially did remember i remember that there was like mcdonald's toys that came out for it Yep. Because they were like, though, there was like, yeah, a whole bunch of weird shit that came out of that. And it was like, you know, obviously that green putty shit. That seems to be everywhere now. Like, yeah, yeah. Which is a big jump because he went from doing Flubber to the movie that would actually win him an Academy Award. An yeah. Academy Award, which was Goodwill Hunting. Absolutely fantastic film. Oh, it's great. I had never seen it before embarking on looking into him. Yeah, neither. I'd never actually seen it, but I knew references from it. Oh, th- yeah, lots of references. How do you like them apples? Yeah, my boy's wicked smart. <laughs> the horrible uh, Boston accent. That was a really good film, and definitely um, that was obviously a massive step in a new direction for him as well, playing a much more serious role. Yeah, well, actually, the next two films after that that he released were they had a bit more of a serious tone to them have you seen either of those two just to Which reference one? up there so what dreams may come and patch adams um you know what i don't believe i have ever seen either of them i'm fully aware of what patch adams is i mean that's that's the true story about the bloke who started like the sort of clown doctors sort of thing in yeah. um and that's a great pediatric film. wards um yeah. that's a really really good film he plays a medical student who feels like you get you'd heal people better 
if you treat them like humans, not as patients, and you try to make them laugh and, you know, get a bit of a bit of joy out of them, even if their outlook's not great, you give them a better quality of life sort of thing. Mm. Um, sort of the whole moral of the story it's is... It's funny. I feel like you can kind of see where he took that role from then. Obviously, three years prior to that film coming out, he's good friend Christopher Reeves had been through that accident and that's what he did and I mean imagine if he hadn't have done that and Reeves stayed thinking that you know depressed and upset about the you know the tragic term of events that his life had taken yeah um, I think Reeves' condition would have gone downhill significantly quicker mm. than this is just me speculating I'm not a doctor I just played one on TV once uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it would definitely would have affected because, like, your mental state does affect your health oh, as well, and it can make you go downhill quicker if you're not in a good space, mm. which was, yeah, the whole premise of the movie, basically. Like, laughter is the best medicine. You treat people like people, they become better people. You treat them like patients. They just be patients, basically. They just lay there. Um, did want to circle back to what dreams may come, actually, though. Oh, really? Because so I want to circle back to Goodwill Hunting because we got onto his big film that got him an Academy, Academy oh, and Award we didn't talk and about we just went straight past right, it. We'll circle back to Goodwill Hunting and then we'll move on. That was... Yeah, it was an inter- interesting film. I like the sort of angle that came on because I actually looked into it a little bit more because the message behind it was meant to be behind the whole Ivy League system that they have in America with the schools and the prestige of it all. And that it doesn't need to be that way. You, or you, and massive spoiler alert again coming up here, people. Because I'm going right to the last fucking scene straight up. Where Will is driving away. We'd like to think on his way to California to go meet up with Skylar again. Uh, to, to, to be honest, I'm pissed I don't know. We don't know if he did. It's heavily hinted at. It's heavily... Impl- we know that's what he's doing. But what happens when he gets there? Yeah, I'm at surprised the they never time, made a sequel. I did look into that. Ben Affleck has said 100% they are not going to make a sequel to Goodwill Hunting. But they did make a reference to it in Jan Silent Bob Strike Back, I'm pretty sure, uh-huh. where they're like they're like pretending to do the sequel when Jay and Silent Bob show up. Ah, interesting. And then like, I think I, don't know, I think it might be Jay or someone, or someone turns to Ben Affleck at one point and says, fuck off, Reindeer Games. <laughs> <laughs> like, it really shuts him down. Yeah. Um, but it is it is a brilliant film. It's so well put together, and like you said, it challenges that stereotype of you know mm. you have to come from wealth to be able to make it in that world. Well, that's it. So the whole, the whole point of that scene was that yeah, you, it's not about the prestige, the study, and everything. You just go, be free, live your life, do what makes you happy. It was meant to be the overall message of the film, and that's why he he leaves and goes off. He rejects the. The lucrative job that he had been offered, yeah. Um, to go go chase his his love, yeah. I love that scene when they're in the bar, which is just before the how you like them apples scene, where that guy with the ponytail, douche with the ponytail, is tearing into Ben Affleck or trying to make him, trying to embarrass him, make him look stupid in front of everyone, and Will just steps in and just starts tearing him apart with facts and like his whole knowledge and just like pulling apart this is this you're only referencing this guy because you've read this far into his book, but by next year you'll be reading this guy's book and you'll be tearing down everything that guy said and blah 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 and mm. then it's like And you know, that's so true. And yeah, and he's just like made the guy look like an absolute bitch in front of everyone. Which was awesome. Mm. That's right. Some Pretty sure, isn't that where um, Baffley's just like, 
Hey, like now. Yeah. It's like, like he just did it all. Yeah. And then that's when his mate's like, looks at the girl and goes, my boy's wicked smart. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I'm always surprised their friend, the one they're always picking on, like he didn't go full fucking postal. In that yeah, because they, they, they yeah. pick on him pretty harshly. They like, do, and he obviously rude. does not appreciate. Yeah. It's funny, though. I think he knows that it comes from a place of love. When their shit's down him about the, when Ben Affleck shit's down him about the burger. Mm. About putting it up on the thing, you'll put it up on layaway, and you can pay it off. And when you eventually pay it off, you can have your burger, sort of thing. Oh, he got real pissed about that. Yeah. He was not oppressive. No, it was pretty funny. You want to talk about what dreams may come? Yeah, so it's a it's a bit of a different film. The only reason I really wanted to touch on it was because, again, in our last episode, we spoke about Lucifer and how it's a bit of a different take on you know God and the devil and all of that. Sort yeah, of stuff. definitely. Yeah. So. What Dreams May Come is actually a bit of a different take on heaven and hell. Yeah, okay. So, spoil- I'm just going to put it out there. Spoilers for this whole episode on any Robin well, Williams do we, movie we, we talk about. We don't need to say spoilers anymore. So, we don't have to say spoilers anymore. Okay. But basically, so this one's got Cuba Gooding Jr. in it as well, and it's also got Michael Caine in it as, yeah, right. as part of the thing. And basically what the whole story is, Robin Williams has two kids and a wife. Him and the kids get into a car accident and die. And Rough. he wakes up in heaven, which is actually a, in his mind, it's a painting that his wife made when they were first dating or whatever. Mm. And that's how he's always envisioned heaven. And he's got an angel that's helping him guide him from, it's more like, that's more like, sorry, it's more like purgatory and then yeah, trying okay. to guide him towards heaven. And that's played by Cuba Gooding Jr., who actually turns out to be an incarnation of his son who weird. died, which is weird because his son's not black or a fully grown man or a fully grown man um and then yeah there's another other things like that but what actually happens is he finds out that when him and the, he, and the kids died his wife couldn't take it and she killed herself oh and so she's out and because she killed herself she went to hell mm. and so he actually goes into hell and goes into the depths of hell and goes into this really fucked up like place where she's trapped for torment and brings her back, basically. That's love right there. It's a really good love story. Like, it's one of his most panned and shat on movies. It's like the water world of his filmography. But it's actually a really good love story. It's actually really well put together. Nice. I'll and, check it out. Yeah. Definitely worth a watch. All right. We could go on forever. You could think maybe a few honorable mentions in there. Um, definitely Insomnia is a great film. I was going to um, say uh, Bicentennial Man. Bicentennial Man. That was fantastic. He, yeah, I mean, just quickly, what a crazy concept. This robot that starts out, and just remember, you guys have had all your spoiler warnings. Um, <laughs> no more spoiler warnings <laughs> yeah. for you. Um, goes away and just slowly changes his parts to become, to get, and eventually get called a man. Have you seen him? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he called a man at the end and then dies, even though he could have been a robot and... Live forever. Let's live that way forever. Insomnia is a good film as well because it's got Al Pacino in it and Robin Williams actually plays a like a serial killer in it and Al Pacino's a sleep-deprived detective trying to track him down. Great film. One-hour photo we mentioned before. Massive change from... I liken it to... Have you seen Number 23 with Jim Carrey? No. The psychological thrill that he did. Um, Jim Carrey's going to... Done a couple. Oh, I guess, I guess, sunshine of a more beautiful. You know, the, 
You know the one? Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. Yeah, no, that was Ross Crowe. What's the one that he did? No, I'm pretty sure that's Jim Carrey. That Eternal was the Sunshine. Jim Carrey one? Yeah. Um, no, it's not so much psychologically interesting. Good movie, though. Yeah, those were some great films. Now, you've seen Man of the Year as well. I did watch Man of the Year. That was that was interesting. About um, a bloke who is... He's like a, he's like a late-night um, TV presenter. You know, does the talk shows and everything else. Um, and decides to run for president. He does. And he goes up against the Republicans and the Democrats. He gets nominated. So he's up there with them and he actually ends up winning. Right. And he gets taken over. However, I guess found out they're doing electronic voting. And he just found out there was actually a glitch in the system. And he didn't actually win. And so then, after finding this out, he starts to struggle with, should he announce it? Um, whereas the woman who works for the company that made the voting system, who found it out and is whistleblowing on it, gets, like, the company, like, tries to, like, frame that she's gone crazy by getting someone to um, make it look like she overdosed and has a drug addiction problem and stuff like that. And try to, when he's about to announce, like, a public thing... A public announcement about what he's found out. They go and counteract it they've bugged things and stuff. But yeah, it's crazy. Like, it's not like full, like, thriller or, you know, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Drama. Or it's, it's drama. It's a little bit of comedy. It's more drama than comedy. Yeah. Um, it's got Christopher Walken in it. Love Christopher Yeah, Walken. yeah. That was what made me pick it out. I was like, oh, Christopher Walken as well. Bang, you're on. But mind me a bit of Christopher Walken, Robin Williams. Yeah, and eventually... Yeah, he steps down. Yeah. Because it was the right thing to do. But, no, it was interesting. And I think in the current climate as well, with the way America's going, they've got their next election coming up and everything else and all the voting, everything that's going on, sort of relevant. Yeah, 100%. Um, with the way that that's all going and the whole no male voting, male voting's fraud and things like that. Um, definitely give it a watch, though. Um, I mean, it's nothing. It's not, it's not amazing, amazing. It's not like his other works, but still, it's a good watch. Still good, yeah. Um, there's another movie I want to check out as well, which I haven't actually seen. It was one of the last ones that was released, was actually released um, the year he died, which was Boulevard. Um, I've seen it, the like the advertisement uh, advertisement for it, but I do um, definitely want to give that one a watch as well. Um, he was also in two video games, just just quietly, just quietly. Two voices of in two video games, uh, Jumanji: A Jungle Adventure Game Pack, and Disney's Math Quest as Disney's Math Quest Aladdin as obviously the voice of the genie. Nice. Another thing worth checking out in regards to TV shows was the TV show that he was doing right up until he passed away at the time with um, Sarah Michelle Gellar called The Crazy Ones, which was based in office. And his daughter, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, comes into the office. Um, I actually want to go back and watch it because I remember watching it. I think, unfortunately, due to his passing... The show got cancelled. No one wanted to continue with making, which is fair enough. Makes sense, yeah. Um, but it wasn't bad. I remember enjoying watching it. He was one of the main characters. And if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll have to check it out as well. A few more honourable mentions for movies as well that he was pretty well known for. Um, obviously, he was in the night at the museum playing uh, Teddy Roosevelt. In the trilogy, yeah. Yes, potentially. Probably one of his more panned movies than any other was RV. Yeah, people didn't really like that one. No, that one did not do too well. Uh, License to Wed was a good one. Yeah? Yeah. He was like a priest, but he had this 
rule that he wouldn't like marry two people unless they'd like f- had to do all these things that could prove that they actually loved each other and they were you know 100 committed to each other and stuff you ever seen death to smoochie yes i yeah. have seen that i saw it late I've... not really really late one night yeah and um i'm trying to recall how it all went down I'm pretty sure it's a bit... weird like movie it's like some sort of stuffed animal like he was like a like, he was like a children's TV show host or something like that. He got replaced, removed from the show. Yeah, yeah. and then it's like him like plotting his revenge and trying yeah. to like ruin the show or ruin Smoochie. Madness. Pretty much, he goes. He does descend into madness. That's true. It, yeah. Okay. Um, I think to summarize though, I mean, it's, it's hard to summarize the life and career of such a. I think, He's a giant of a man that's that's you know not in physical stature but in presence and entertainment value like there there will never be another robin williams but i think no matter who you are like you know a lot of actors or a lot of comedians are you know subjective people either like some people like them some people don't you know i've never met a single person that says i don't like robin williams or has never been touched or made to laugh you know in some way by his comedy. That's it. There's um just watching an interesting interview that he does with his mother. Um, where it's there talking about like and you find out you see that's where, you know, I guess the seed for his sort of humour and stuff came from. Where he like gets his mum to reenact a gag with a rubber band that she used to wear it looked like she's pulling the rubber band out of her nose and things like that. Classic. Yeah. And you can sort of get an understanding of the influence or at least how he started off from a young age to become the comedian that he was but certainly he was he was a humble man then like you read anything about him it's it says he never forgot where he came from he never forgot his roots and he never let the fact that he was a big international star overly affect him he still gave and he still helped out those less fortunate than himself because he didn't understand why he should have all the money yeah no 100 percent. and i think knowing everything we know now when i've watched some of his other films after doing this research and knowing the demons that he sort of battled with as well Mm. every now and again when he stares at the camera you get a glimpse into his eyes and you can just see that little bit of pain behind them whether that's intended where you know he's trying to put himself into a character or or whatever he's doing it it's definitely there yeah and it's you know he's the last person that you would ever have expected to have any sort of mental health issues aside from maybe adhd and they're all the ones they're always the ones aren't they though it's sad it is sad you know no matter where you are in the world if you're hearing this if you're in isolation or not if you have some time to kill pull out your favorite robin williams film and Give it a watch. 100%. Always make you laugh. It always makes you laugh. Unless you watch something like One Hour Photo or... Yeah. Or... That probably won't yeah. make you laugh. Probably not. Probably avoid those. Don't watch ones. that at night. You may not sleep. <laughs> um, but yeah. Amazing man. Unique, one of a kind. And we'll never see something. A man like him again. No. He can't be replaced. He can't be replaced. There's, there will never be another. Um, it's a cliche, but... It fits in the sense that, you know, they truly did break the mould when they made Robin. Truly. Truly. That was 
And I'll just like to say again, I know I've said it a couple of times, but yeah, I really do recommend watching the, the Robin Williams Come Inside My Mind documentary. It is it's quite long. It's it goes for like two hours. But yeah, I, I really do recommend watching if you if you Robin Williams interests you. Um it was very, very revealing. I think the big thing that Robin taught us, you know, he left a lot behind a massive legacy. But I think the biggest impact or legacy he's left is if you are going through dark times, if you are having mental health issues, you know, depression, anything like that, reach out, you know, find someone to talk to. It's better than the alternative. 100%. I don't know about the rest of the world, but in Australia, we've got Lifeline. Um, give them a call. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think um, Beyond Blue. Beyond Blue is Also one. do a lot of work in that area as well. Um, Black Dog. I mean, they're out there. And if you're ever feeling it, Anything, reach out. Definitely, especially life. Lifeline is one where you just run, you just talk to someone. Yeah, that's all you do. They don't know you. You don't know them. It's and sometimes just talking to someone, having someone listen, get it off your chest, can help. Yeah. So yeah, please do yourself a favor. We're gonna get sued by Molly Meldrum. That's gonna happen. Funny uh, you should mention Molly. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess. Uh, We'll give you a bit of an insight onto our, what our next focusing episode is going to be, um, and it's it's definitely something that's near and dear to both of our hearts. Definitely, um, it's a classic film trilogy. I think one of the most ambitious film trilogies that's been put out there. Also, one of the most iconic as well, though. Like it's definitely, um, yeah. Well, no other way, no way to. Uh, Beat around the bush, but we're jumping Star in. Star Wars. Damn. Oh. Uh, uh, <sighs> Lion King. That's not a fucking trilogy. There was three of them. I'm sure there was. Oh, the third. Do you know what the third one was? It was just Timon and Pumbaa. It was fucking it? the first one through Timon and Pumbaa's eyes, which doesn't even make sense. They weren't even fucking there for much. The- They're like, oh, yeah, remember that time Mufasa died? That sucked. They weren't there for that. Exactly. Um, no, it's Back to the Future. There it is. Um, which is. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Just, just think about it then like, like, the whole Star Wars thing. Star Wars is a trilogy of trilogies. Is there a word for that? Probably. I don't know what it is. I'm not a, uh, not a word doctor. That's not a real thing. <laughs> don't worry. You made that very obvious just, then. just. Then. <laughs> you were neither good with words or a doctor. Um, yeah, Back to the Future. I'm excited. Yeah, it'll. Um, It'll it'll definitely be good. It's a um, there's a lot of lot of meat on that uh, in that in that topic as well. So really looking forward to that. Uh, don't forget next episode as well. We are doing uh, Red Faction, Inbetweeners, and Catch Me If You Can. Great selections, all of them. Indeed. But uh, but this has been another episode of the Cop. Thank you for listening. Cop that.